Welcome to the Ask the Expert podcast, where you'll learn key insights, tips, and strategies from experts across the globe to help you create the life and business of your dreams. Now, let's welcome your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to the show. Let me ask you a question. Like many business owners, are you confused about how to best communicate with your customers? Or perhaps you're wasting valuable time and energy worrying about making the wrong move. So you're either not doing any marketing, or if you are, you're just not getting the results that you want. Now, if this sounds like you, grab a pen and paper because today's guest is going to help you get clarity so you can gain a competitive edge to get more customers, more sales, more bookings, more members, and more money. Elsa Page has over 20 years experience in the marketing trenches, and she's an award-winning business owner from AP Marketing Works. Elsa has helped hundreds of businesses and organizations increase their sales and their members, while help them build a profile that cuts through the noise to deliver results. As one of Elsa's clients once said, Elsa has a dynamic energy and zest for business that never fails to inspire you. She's mastered the art for translating her passion and knowledge into a toolbox of skills that any business owner can apply. And on today's show, Elsa continues to do just that by sharing the vital first pillar of a marketing strategy that many businesses neglect or fail to do very well, which is why they struggle to achieve results. She's also going to be showing us how to use this marketing strategy in the proper way, as well as what you should know and what you should be focusing on when rolling out this marketing strategy in your business so you can avoid common mistakes that will lose you your customers. So welcome to the show, Elsa. So tell us, what is this very first pillar that we're talking about? It is research. Research. (laughs) But most importantly, it's customer research. Mm -hmm. First of all, a lot of businesses don't do any research. So whilst there are some that do do a bit of research, generally it's not in the right areas and it's not providing powerful information that actually enables them to set up a more powerful and I suppose strategic marketing plan for their business. Often people sort of just go, yes, tick, I'm doing my research without really understanding how research works or how to make it work for your business. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that you mentioned, typically customers who are dissatisfied or not really happy with the overall service or product, they don't actually provide us any feedback at all. So we may assume that they're happy. In actual fact, they very well may not be at all. Yes. And look, it is a common misperception. People sort of say, look, I've surveyed my customers and everyone thinks we're great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yep. But what about the customers who didn't fill out the survey? They're always the ones I'm interested in. So look, the fact of the, the situation is, is that as humans, mm-hmm. we actually like to avoid conflict. That is not new, but we need to think about it in terms of when you are trying to get information from your customers. I love to use the example of when people go to a hairdresser. Now, if they haven't had a good cut, they are never going to say in the salon, in front of everyone, potentially fighting back tears, no, I really hate my haircut. It's just 
never going to happen. Anyone who's been in this situation will know what I'm talking about. You just put on a fake smile and you go, no, no, it's it's great. It's fantastic. And then you just can't wait to get out of there. You go to the car, you run your hands through your hair. You usually probably have a bit of a teary mm. and then you just vow never to go back again. That is what happens with many, many unsatisfied customers. You can find this information out, but you need to know how to ask it to get that response. Let's talk about some of the common things that you do see, like SurveyMonkey. I know that that is something typical that we use as businesses, but what are some of the other reasons as well that really are not generating the types of results that you know can make sure that we're not losing clients and that we really can position our products and services in the best possible way? One of the key things, all the, the mistakes that businesses make is particularly if it's in the situation of personal services, mm. that is when either you or a person is delivering the actual product, that makes it very, very hard for someone to actually tell you that they don't like the product or service. So the worst thing that they can do is if you're the person then asking, how did you find it? You know, it's a bit like if the chef comes out and says, how did you like the meal? You're not going to say, well, actually, I found the meat a bit dry. You need to make it impartial. So in other words, to have someone removed from the business asking the questions is one of the, the best things that you can do. Yeah. The second thing is that sometimes Survey Monkey, and in particular, the way that some of the questions are just so generic, they're not really cutting to the chase. Mm -hmm. They're not really really referring to specific things about your business that you're actually needing to measure. So that could be one of the things. The big one too is when people don't really want to hear that customers are not satisfied. Mm. Whereas in business, it is so essential to be brave and listen to the things that customers don't like. So often when the business owner, if you like, is doing their own surveys, they sort of set it up so it's only good. Whereas the real value comes from when you actually allow customers to truly say what is upsetting them without someone arguing with them. It's in a really willing, open, hey, we really want this information from you. An online survey doesn't necessarily do that. It attracts people who like filling out surveys online. It attracts people who like to type or people who can communicate through writing. Most of us can't and it becomes a bit of a hassle. So as you said, you know, people just click through and do the minimum so then they can just sort of say, yep, I've done that. We could have a customer that suddenly raves about us and our services because we've taken the time to actually listen and address what they were unhappy with. Absolutely, Anne-Marie. And there's always these fantastic statistics about it's not that you've made a mistake or that the service hasn't been good. It's actually how you handle it that mm. can actually engender greater customer loyalty because you're showing that you care. And one of the things that I've noticed over the years in conducting the research on behalf of businesses is it's extraordinary the information that customers will tell you. I mean, it is absolute gold. Mm -hmm. And if you're dealing with them in a very respectful, impartial way, you give them the option, they can remain anonymous. It's actually even amazing how many customers, after perhaps having a big complaint about a business, they are happy then to be known to the business so that the business can actually do something to make good. And that's where SurveyMonkey can't do that. Mm. <laughs> SurveyMonkey 
can't respond to a bad question. Survey Monkey can't do the human side of it where you can deal with a distressed customer at that point in time and make it right. Yes. And when you do, you're absolutely right. These customers will become such great advocates for the business, even in the process of really wanting to get information from customers to improve the business. Just doing that can be such a good PR for the business because it's done in a way that's different from perhaps how other businesses are doing it, that it actually really puts businesses in very good stead with their customers. But even more powerful than that, your customers can communicate what it is that they really love about you, which mm. is your standout factor. Yes. And again, when questions are delivered in the right way, in the right order, this is what sets it up to allow this information to flow out of customers. And then if you can then harness that information and know what to do with that information, it feeds directly back into a very powerful marketing strategy, which can help you with things like your standout factor. It can be even some of the ways that you then can communicate about what you do using mm. some of the words and things like that. It can become sort of a benchmark if you're looking at customer satisfaction levels. A survey on a regular basis done correctly for your business can just do extraordinary things to focus your efforts in your marketing that mm. will deliver results back to your business. Yeah. Now, before we dive into some of these key hotspots that you're going to share with us, just if someone is listening today and maybe thinking, oh, well, you know, our business is involved in XYZ industry, like memberships or associations, well, which companies, which industries benefit the most from doing this research? Brilliant. In my experience, a lot of membership organisations have benefited greatly from checking in with their members. And again, it needs to be impartial because obviously with a lot of membership organisations, there's often a lot of volunteers, a lot of voluntary input that's helped to build those organisations. And so sometimes people can be a little bit invested and don't want to hear if there's something that members don't like. But if you can, again, distance yourself from that to actually get information from members. In particular, I've sort of had experience with developing membership packages and there's nothing worse than if you develop a package but of benefits or a suite of services for members but they don't find them valuable, mm. then they're not going to join up as member or they might join up once but mm -hmm. then they're not going to continue to subscribe again. So definitely I've seen huge value gained from membership organisations. The best businesses to benefit are the ones that are in personal services or where they are the service. So it could even be like, you know, again, marketing consulting. It could be your hairdressers, your personal trainers, even things like your professional services, like accountants, bookkeepers. But I've actually done research across a whole range of industries, but I think it's where it's too close to home mm. for you to do the research. You know, if it's just about a product and it's not your product, you're, you know, selling on behalf of someone else, that's okay. You know, that's fine. But when it's actually about you mm -hmm. <laughs> or you're part of the service, then sometimes it can be very tricky to do it yourself. So again, sometimes in hospitality, that can be really good as well, particularly if, you know, there's a lot of people involved in, in delivering the service or in particular, if you've got new staff and you just want to check that the standard across across all the staff is the same, that can also be very, very helpful to do research. It has to have the right strategy. Each business has its own unique hotspots, the sequence of questions, the right questions, all of those sorts of things are so very important. So let's dive into some of those. What would sure. you say is the first hotspot we need to consider? 
Marketing is about ensuring that you have a target market and that you are delivering to meet the needs of that target market. So the big one is about are you meeting the needs of your customers? Because if you're not, Mm -hmm. they're not going to come back. They're not going to refer all of those wonderful things that can happen when your customers love what you do are not going to happen if you're not meeting their needs. Are there some specific questions that you recall that you've asked on behalf of clients to really hone in and gather the type of information that you know is going to be critical as the business moves forward? Absolutely. Look, in a general way, we would literally just ask, how would you rate us in terms of meeting your needs? That might be one classic question that we might ask. If people know, and and many businesses have a really good understanding of what makes their service work. So if it is delivering a service, it could be components of the service. So it might Mm. even be if they've got a particular premises by which their service is being delivered out of, it might be talking about the premises or the facilities or the equipment or something like that. So if it was, say, for example, a hairdressing salon, it might even be things like, you know, how comfortable do you find the wash basin, for Mm. example? It could be something as simple as that because you know that if people are not comfortable in the chair or are not comfortable getting their hair washed, that makes up a big chunk of their experience. So, you know, it might be you dive down into specific information or you could be just as broad as, are we meeting your needs? From that question, you then might, if someone says no, (laughs) then at that point, it might be worth delving in and saying, oh, can you say more about Mm. that? And then it's letting the customer speak, you know, rather than a, oh no, oh well why not? which is sometimes the way business owners, if they're doing it themselves or they just get a bit defensive about things, you Mm -hmm. know, and and then the customer just shuts up. I can really see why it can be so incredibly beneficial to have someone like yourself do this on our behalf. Just to give a little bit of an example of what we found out one time, which was meeting the needs. Um, I was working with, with a business and the customers generally were very happy with the actual service delivery and it was an accounting firm. Uh, They were very happy with that and there was one thing that they weren't happy with that no one picked up on it'd been like this for years no one in the business had picked up on how it was now a real factor that was concerning customers and that was that they were shut on a Friday and customers didn't like that at all and that came out from doing this research and the wonderful thing is that the business owner is very proactive and took this very very seriously and understood that you know if they're not meeting the needs of the customers the customers are not going to come back so now, almost as we speak, they're brainstorming ways that they can stay open on a Friday, but with all their staff still being able to have yes. a long weekend, which, which was part of the culture of the business. So mm-hmm. it's just extraordinary. No one picked that. And yet that came out in the feedback. Like we didn't ask the question, so what do you think about us being shut on Friday? It really? didn't sort of yes. come out, but it came out in the responses that were captured. That is gold. Absolute it is gold. gold. <laughs> Let's dive into hotspot two. Again, we've sort of talked about, are you actually meeting their needs? Mm. Well, the next thing is about value. A marketing principle or what makes your products or services work is if people value them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that makes come sense. Back. <laughs> sort of sounds like a no-brainer, doesn't it? But mm. it is amazing how we sometimes forget how to make this happen in our business. So it is very important if you're offering things, and this perhaps is, works in best with membership organisations, but it can be any business, mm. is that if you 
or say with a membership package, if you're putting in a whole lot of things that you think are fantastic, that maybe cost the organisation money, and you're assuming that your members are going to value that and they're going to pay for that, and you suddenly find out, oh, no, that actually don't, that isn't valuable to mm-hmm. them. And so you sort of think, well, why am I doing this? I mean, I remember with one organisation I worked with, we looked at the existing package of membership offerings and there was one thing, it was a magazine. Uh, this is back in the day of print where that mm-hmm. was very, very important. <laughs> Showing my age now. What happened was it became very clear that the members really didn't give two hoots oh. about this magazine. And yet that was the most expensive expensive component of the membership package. We looked at it after the results and went, well, if we could, say, get rid of the magazine or make the magazine an option rather than compulsory, what could we do with that money? And in the end, we found out another thing that we could do. It ended up being an insurance product that worked so well for the members. They loved it to the point that we turned the membership around by 300%. (gasps) Wow. I know. So all that from some research. So it is an interesting thing to look at. If your customers don't value something that you're offering, then they're going to be reluctant to pay for it. A typical question could be rate how important this is to you Mm -hmm. if there's elements of it, or it could be just even an overall, how would you rate value for money? There's a couple of different ways we could do it. It's a little bit of a passion of mine is to get in there and just ensure that whatever they're actually offering members Mm -hmm. is something that members want. And I mean, sometimes it's hard to come up with creative ideas for what to put in a membership package, but generally people just do things like, oh, and you can get this power discount or you can get Mm. this discount from a telecommunications provider. And it's like, so what? We can get that everywhere, you know? And Mm -hmm. and it's sort of one of those things that's just of no interest to members. And again, it's only when you take all the emotion out of it and just actually say, well, what do you think? And then you get that information back. You can make some good decisions. Absolutely. And who better to ask than your existing customers or members? They'll give you the feedback on what they think is valuable rather than kind of assuming and trying trying to guess. Exactly. And that's often what we do do. We do make so many assumptions. I'm just going to just share one more assumption that happened, (laughs) which was with a membership organisation, it was a traders association. There was the assumption that everyone knew that they were members. We ended up asking the question, you know, are you a member? Like we only surveyed members, but we thought, let's just see if they even know that they're members. And you're ready for this. 40% of members didn't realise they were members. See, this is the stuff that I love about research is that you just get some really amazing stuff like the, we don't like you being shut on Friday and the, oh, are we a member? Yeah. It's just all this stuff that always, you know, I'd say probably 50% of all research that I do, there would be Mm -hmm. in 50% of them, there's always something that just stands out that's the surprise factor. And I love it because it always makes us realise that we don't know what we don't Don't know. know. And how this research now can feed back into a marketing strategy is that then it became really apparent that, well, clearly we need to have something more tangible Mm -hmm. for our members to make them remember or realise that they're members. So whether that was because it was traders, whether it was a sticker on the Mm -hmm. window saying, hey, we belong to the Traders Association or whatever it was, you know, it's suddenly now you go, wow, okay, that's pretty important. So now that's something that we need to ensure Mm. that we do because there's no point in having members if they don't know their members. That is a good find, I'm (laughs) sure. (laughs) All right, let's dive into hotspot number three. 
where research can really help and particularly on, on an ongoing basis is to make sure that your standards don't slip. It's one of those things that, you know, sometimes we might do one survey and we go, oh, fantastic, excellent results. I'm pretty hot stuff. There it is. That's all I need to do. But the reality is, and I think this is like anything, sometimes, you know, we're not perfect. We are humans mm. and our standards can slip and things can slip from year to year based on a whole range of things. It could even be maybe there's some new competitors that have come into the market and so however you were performing, maybe it just doesn't cut it or it isn't as amazing to customers anymore because mm -hmm. you're not a standout or you've got new staff. It could be a whole range of things. So I always think that overall performance is something that should be measured on an annual basis. And that could just be a general rating that a customer might give you. Overall, how would you rate the service that you received? Mm -hmm. You know, and you give people options that might be, you know, as good, better than expected, or not quite as good as expected. And if you measure those results, then each year you can kind of look at it and say, no, we're actually maintaining, you know, for the last 10 years, 90% of our customers have been delighted with our services or have been happy with our services or whatever it happens to be. And you can look at that each year and sort of say, yeah, no, that's actually good where we're performing well. Mm. And then obviously, if you're not performing well, you gather the information to find out where perhaps you're slipping. There are certain things that are in every bit of research that are just super valuable for people to, to know, but then there will be specific things mm. that particular businesses might want to know. So for example, there was one business quite a few years ago, but it was in the time where we're, a lot of businesses were starting to move to be a little bit more automated or to provide more internet booking services mm. and one business was looking at is this something that's actually important to our customers right now because and this was about almost 10 years ago so they were quite progressive they wanted to know look is it worth investing in mm. this and I mean that that same situation may happen for people they might say look you know is it worth us getting an app for our business for example and so it would be a case of finding out from your customers first before you drop huge dollars. Yeah. On developing something to say, well, this is something that they care about. Because sometimes, again, you might think they care about it, or maybe there's hype around you that says, no, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to mm -hmm. do that. But maybe it's not something that people like. You know, a classic one, uh, an assumption that we make is that people don't like to be phoned up, and that's just rubbish. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these surveys that I do are all over the telephone, and people are fine with it. So yeah. we have to be very careful with our assumptions. And so I always recommend that if anyone's going to spend a lot of money, get your research before you do, because the research could help you either, you know, make sure that you're investing in the right areas, or it can tell you, hey, don't even worry about this because no one cares. Yeah. And of course, what we're talking about, we're talking about customers who have invested, they've parted with their dollars to invest in your business, whether it be a product, a service, a membership for an organisation. And so it's quite different. It really is, can be seen, I would imagine, as personalised contact. You're really wanting to find out, hey, how have we delivered? We care about your experience. We want to know how can we make this better? You know, so I think any assumption that they don't want to be wrong, I know as a customer, if I got a phone call, I'd be thinking, oh, 
they really do care about what I think. And uh, I tell you what, that gets a big tick in my book. Absolutely. And the number of times that we've sort of been able to really turn customers around is is quite interesting. People have already invested. You know, most of the time, if they really love a company, they just want you to do better, you know, and they mm-hmm. really do come from a, we, we want to stay with you as a customer and we actually care about this. So we capture the good and the bad. So the really great news is, is that you also get, um, when, with this research, you've always get this beautiful a bit of an ego stroke but it's actually better than that because it's things that you never even knew that your customers love about you and you just go oh wow and so it can be such a great uh, staff morale tool as well when uh, people just go straight to the what customers love about you you know they just uh, it's a really fun fun section I know that you've got one other hotspot to share with us and then you're going to share how we can get access to the other four hotspots as well because I know that there's eight altogether so what's hotspot number four? Well, I've said communication. And the reason I feel that this at the moment is a very important one is because there's lots of ways that businesses communicate with their customers, but it's so important that customers feel as though communication is good. That Some of the areas where businesses might get it wrong is when someone was dealing with a particular staff person and then either that staff person goes or they're now doing automated communication, mm-hmm. you know, which is a big one as we're moving more online. And I think it is a hotspot right now to just check in and see that people are okay with this. You know, one of the things that we knew from Telstra was when they initially did a whole lot of the offshore call centres, there was huge backlash because customers weren't happy. Now, I think customers are now fairly used to it, but, you know, it is so important to just check in because if customers don't feel like they're being heard or if they don't feel like they can contact you or communicate with you in the way they need to, this could be a real make or break in business right now. So that, I think it's always a good one. Just it could be a general thing like how do you rate us in terms of communication or you might want to drill down and actually say, how are you finding our new automated system or what do you think of the phone system or whatever it might be. It's interesting to see what comes out of it. I know for one business, they were very mindful that the business had grown. And so the business owner was usually the person that had been in communication with many of the customers that had now changed. It was now being pushed on to different staff members. It was just one of those things that the business owner was a little bit mindful to check and see were customers okay with that. So you can come up with some very interesting results. And it can also give you some peace of mind if you mm-hmm. have changed and and sometimes customers are like oh yeah everything's fine you know mm-hmm. whereas that uh, you know for another organization it actually showed up that their automated services people were feeling that they were a little bit impersonal mm-hmm. so now they've sort of gone okay great well we're going to keep those systems there because it makes us deliver the product or service better however we realize we need to also incorporate some more personalized communication how often would you say is, is the right timing that we should be running these research with our customers? There's a couple of different scenarios. For regular customers, probably once a year. For some businesses, even once every two years. It doesn't, mm. but it just depends on the changing nature of your business. You know, uh, if things are fairly stable, then one to two years. If things are a little bit more changing a lot, then possibly even six to 12 months might mm-hmm. be the case. One of the things I do with some of my clients, we, we split it up into new customers and regular customers or repeat customers. Mm-hmm. It's always really 
really important to get a sense of where the new customers are at because you've already hopefully got your existing customers and they're happy with your service. But if you're trying to grow your business, then the new customers are going to be very, it's going to be important to see what they think and maybe their needs are a little bit different. So Mm. I would always do it sort of, not sort of the second after the new customers have come through the door, but certainly within a three month period of the new customers, as long as they can remember the service, you don't want them to forget about the service. I would be doing that. And then again, maybe again on an annual basis. One of the things that um, we use, you know, from a commercial perspective that that the surveys can provide information on is whether or not your pricing's right. And, you know, a lot of people get very worried about whether they should put up, you know, they they feel like I really need to put up my price, but they're quite worried about it. Mm -hmm. So usually doing the survey, I've done that for for many clients as as a way of just checking in. I mean, obviously, if you've got, if you're providing excellent value um, and your customers are, you know, happy to refer and are going to come back and all of that and and, this, and the results are really good, then usually you are in a pretty good position to put up your fees if you needed to. Mm. And some people just need to have that validation before they do it. What I'd always do is if you have had a ch- big change like putting up your fees or something like that or your prices or changing the product or service in any way, it is so essential then to be able to compare from before the change to after the change. Mm. And it is something that we do a lot of and that's why there's there's often it's it's something that is repeated on a regular basis as part of your marketing strategy it's part of how you evaluate what you do in marketing we always say don't do something that you can't measure well customer satisfaction surveys or customer research is a brilliant way of actually being able to measure some of the things that you're doing how can we get access to all eight hotspots I have got a little sheet, I guess we'd call it, wouldn't mm-hmm. we? Which is really to, to also to find out if you actually need to do customer research right now because it's, you know, it is one of those things I'm saying, you know, yeah, annually, annual basis. But for some people, there might be real value in doing it right now. So you want to know whether that's going to be for you or not. So I've developed a sheet, which is a little questionnaire, a little quiz that you can do. And all you need to do is to go to www apmarketingworks.com.au forward slash quiz. Now thinking about your business, what's your biggest struggle that you're dealing with right at this moment when it comes to getting more clients, more members or more income? Now no matter what you've tried to do, it remains a challenge that you just can't break through and you're unsure what to do next. If that sounds like you, go ahead and register for a free, no obligation, 15 minute call with Elsa where she'll help you pinpoint the gaps and why this continues to be a struggle and of course how best you can move forward. What she's also done is she's created a quiz to see whether your business could benefit from doing some customer research right now to boost your results. To book in your appointment with Elsa and to go ahead and do the quiz, go to www.apmarketingworks.com.au forward slash quiz. That's www.apmarketingworks.com.au forward slash quiz. For those of you who really can see that you've not yet generated the type of information that you really want to gather to make sure that you're making the right decisions and providing customer experience and value that you know your customers want, then I certainly recommend that you do the quiz and certainly reach out to Elsa too. Thanks so much, Elsa. Absolute pleasure, Anne-Marie.